Hi, everyone. Get ready for the How I Raised It podcast, the show where you get an insight, unfiltered look at how real entrepreneurs raise capital for their businesses. I'm your host, Nathan Beckard, and thank you for tuning in to today's episode with Francis Tang of Awkward Essentials, a post-sex cleanup product. Just an FYI, this episode is not suitable for work, not for kids, but it is highly entertaining. If you're tuning into this podcast to learn how to raise capital for your business, I've created a super valuable free welcome pack for you. It includes a list of 2,500 investors who don't require a warm intro, plus 200 of the most important questions that investors are going to ask you. It will help you really prepare for your own fundraise. Uh, To get access to this, please go to the Apple iTunes review and leave us a five-star review. Leave us some nice comments and then email us at info at foundersuite.com and we'll email that to you right away. Last but not least, if you enjoy this episode and think someone else would too, please share it with them hit that subscribe button to get all our latest episodes. Thank you so much. Sit back and enjoy the chat with Francis. Welcome to How I Raised It, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with entrepreneurs who've raised capital. We uncover the tips, tricks, and techniques they use to get investors to write a check. Strap in and turn it up. Hi, welcome to another episode of How I Raised It, produced by Foundersuite.com. Today, I have Francis Tang of Awkward Essentials coming to us from Orange County. How's your day going? Hey, Nathan. It's good. It's Friday. It's Friday. (laughs) Yes, I know. I love it. Um, Cool. Any fun plans for the weekend? Nothing too crazy. Um, Just really getting out and doing normal people stuff since we've been quarantined for such a long time. I'm uh, excited to get an ice cream cone from Ikea. Oh, exciting. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Small, small wins, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, Cool. Good. Very good. I took my, my seven-year-old boy and his buddy to ice cream at Rite Aid last night. You can get like an ice cream at Rite Aid for like a buck a scoop or something. It's the best deal around. So yeah. Um, I can get behind that. I've been doing my soft serve ice cream research and I thir- thoroughly believe Ikea has the best soft serve fight me, but I mean, that's completely unrelated to my business and anything else. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. Haven't, haven't tried that. Well, let's get right into it. What is awkward essentials? So Awkward Essentials is a hygiene company, and our goal is to create innovative hygiene products for the things that we're too embarrassed to talk about, or rather the things that a lot of us will shut the bathroom door and deal with and not talk to anyone about. So I should preface this episode just slightly. If you're squeamish or if you have, uh, this might be not suitable for work or you're not suitable if you have kids. So maybe turn off the episode now. Otherwise, let's get into the actual details of what that means. (laughs) Sure. So our marquee product is called Dripstick. And Dripstick is an invention that came out of my brain. It's an after sex cleanup sponge that absorbs all the cum internally after sex. So anyone with a vagina isn't left dripping, leaking, rune sheets, rune underwear the whole thing and um it's i can tell you it's been a wild ride that's interesting so i think i saw something um i'd love to hear the genesis story where this idea came from i think i saw something about a spatula i was looking at your blog and twinkies and (laughs) maybe just share the story yeah Mm-hmm. Of course. So my background, like many founders, I've had a lot of different jobs in a bunch of different industries. And one of those jobs was as a baker. So I, I love baking, cooking, 
all that kind of stuff. And there is a kitchen tool called a just it's a rubber spatula, right? You use it to scrape sauce, cake batter, anything out of a bowl. And so every time I would scrape cake batter out of a bowl, I would look at it and think, wow, if I had a spatula for my vagina that could just get everything out in one fell swoop, that would be incredible um, to kind of walk it back. So for me personally, I'm married and after sex cleanup was just it was just really irritating for me personally. I didn't like it. I felt like it was this long process. And every time I would go on the internet and look for a solution, I would be led to like the depths of Reddit and Yahoo answers, which no longer exists. Uh -huh. And everyone on Reddit is like, oh, I use a sacrificial sex towel. I have an old t-shirt. I just grab baby wipes, which is which is fine. It's a great solution for the outside. But in my brain, I was like, the issue is inside, right? That stuff is in, it's internal. And I would like to get it out just to solve the issue at the source to prevent the leaking and everything that's happening the next day. And so it got to the point where this is a little graphic. I was like scooping it out with my finger. And so that like finger scoop motion translated into like that rubber spatula idea every time I would scrape cake batter out of a bowl. And so our product dripstick is not a rubber spatula. Dripstick is a medical grade sponge. It's super soft and it absorbs, but I guess similar to a spatula, it absorbs very quickly. So it's not something that you have to leave inside. You just insert it, you twist it around, you remove it and it's gone. Yeah, very interesting. And so for anyone looking on YouTube, you just showed it up. It kind of looks like a, uh, almost like a push-up pop or something or, yeah. <laughs> um, kind of like a tampon sort of, but uh, I guess, but with a different form factor, it's actually a sponge. And is this a one-time use, reusable? What's the... Uh -huh. It's one-time use and unlike a tampon, so we get this question a lot. A tampon is a really dense piece of cotton meant for an extended period of time. It was actually a solution that I tried myself personally before creating this. Uh, it didn't work that well, turned into like a weird slimy bullet thing, was not comfortable. And it's just not meant for this use case. So because our product is a porous sponge, it absorbs viscous liquids <laughs> very quickly. Got it. Interesting. Okay. And so you just whip it out use it, throw it away, and you're buying these. Are you buying these as a subscription uh, service or, or, or what? What's the model? Yeah. So we offer a 10-pack, a 20-pack, and a 69-pack. The 69-pack was meant to be a joke, but it is selling very well, which I am incredibly happy for the people <laughs> that need that many. And we recently added subscription because we've been asked by our customers. Um, as a lot of us know, sex isn't a regular thing. It's not like brushing your teeth it's not once a day twice a day daily but we have been asked so we just recently added a subscription option got it got it got it and um interesting i guess this is purchased by usually the, the female right i mean this is kind of i'm just trying to think of the marketing and how you sort of get this out there um any clever marketing tales or you know yeah yeah so when i first created this product essentially because i'm trying to change the way things have always been done. It was very difficult to one pitch and two explain what it was. I went through an accelerator that was a quarter long, three months long. And by the end of it, I had some of my cohort members who still thought it was a wipe. They didn't realize as much as I said, sponge, handle, absorb, internal. They didn't realize what it was because 
it's not something that exists in in the world. And so when talking about it and trying to market it, I got a lot of question about how does it work? Just not understanding what the form factor was. So very early on when I was bootstrapping, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to do a video. I need to demonstrate how it works somehow. So I remember Googling on Amazon for a plastic anatomical vagina, like what you would find in a doctor's office, but they're so expensive. And I was like, I cannot afford this. This is really expensive. And it's kind of, it's kind of graphic. It's like not that fun. And so I ended up using a Twinkie from the store um, to just create a little gift to just demonstrate, right? You like insert it, takes the cream out, whatever. And that Twinkie gift was actually what helped us uh, go viral because it it wasn't too graphic, but people understand exactly, they understood exactly what we were talking about, like removing the cream filling. And um, yeah, it was a really great addition to the website that didn't cost as much as a plastic anatomical vagina. Yeah, yeah. And probably just, yeah. Yeah, good. <laughs> I love that. Cool. And is this the only product or is this the first of many? What's kind of the bigger vision here? So the bigger vision is to really attack crotch care as um, as a category, as an industry. So we do not have any intentions of being a sex company. So of going into like lube or tampons, there's already incredible sex positive, like sex product companies that exist. And then we don't have any intention of going into menstruation because there's already incredible menstruation companies that are out there. So really where I'd like to stay and where we want to sit is just in the awkward cracks of reality, just the weird things that people don't, that they're not comfortable talking about. But because we've come out the gate talking about cum vaginas, like at this point we can talk about sweat and grown hairs, just anything because we started so strong and so weird. Yeah, no, it's funny. It's, uh, I don't know why, but I get served up ads on YouTube for like men's private grooming uh, trimmers and stuff like that. I'm not sure what algorithm <laughs> has served those ads to me. You know, it's all good, but it's funny how it's like, it's, I feel like, a um, you wouldn't have seen that 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Or yeah, it's, it's, it's changing. Right. And I think you're on that wave of change, which is good for you. Right. Um, very interesting. Okay. Let's talk about raising money for this. So, um, well, first of all, how much have you guys raised total? So we've raised 2.3 million. Got it. And over how many rounds is that? Uh, two seed rounds. So like a seed one and a seed two. Let's start, I guess, sort of at the beginning. You mentioned the accelerator. What, what accelerator? What was that all about? Tell us that. Yeah. So when Dripstick, the product was just an idea, I applied for an accelerator in downtown LA called Grid 110. Um, incredible program, no cost, no equity. And they have two tracks. They have an idea to prototype track and then they have a residency track. And so I applied for the idea to prototype track. And I remember at that time, thinking like, wow, this is probably one of the only accelerators because it's industry agnostic and it's idea to prototype. I'm so early stage. It's just an idea in my brain. I have no idea if it's going to work. And so when I got in that accelerator, it was just an incredible proof of not necessarily proof of concept, but proof of confidence that the confidence that I needed, I think as a female founder, we need a lot of reassurance and just pushes that, hey, this is going to work. This can happen. Other people are behind this. 
it's just, it's just different, I think for female founders and male founders. And so that was one of the first big, like I, someone else believes in this idea, things that happened to me. So I went through that accelerator. And the biggest takeaway was how to pitch the product because mm. we're dealing with something that's very personal. And so what I learned is when dealing with something that's so personal or taboo, rooting it in a personal story was the best way to communicate the product and the problem. When I first pitched, I did it like anyone would pitch with statistics and numbers and X percent of the population. And it was terrible. People were looking at me like I was crazy. Like it was, it just the root, like half the people were kind of like, this is, funny, but she's crazy. And the other half of the room was just like deeply offended. And so it evolved over time during the accelerator into essentially um, like a stand-up comedy routine slash personal. So, <laughs> right. Because it's just like, yeah, this is what happens to me. It might not happen to you. That's fine. But this is what happens to me. And so I created this thing to solve it. And it's, that is what the brand story has been rooted in ever since. And so mm. just Francis's story and, um, it's been good. So after that accelerator and learning how to talk about the product, I, I went against the advice of the accelerator. Um, so many traditional business advice and accelerators would tell you to prove that you have a market and create a prototype, maybe do pre-sales, think about crowdsourcing, think about um, a Kickstarter, something like that. And I ran through all of those ideas, but I was still having a really hard time getting people to understand the product, getting people to understand the concept because they didn't have anything to base it off of. And so against all advice, except my father's advice, who is a founder as well, mm-hmm. I ordered the minimum order quantity of just the product, 20,000 units, and they were in my parents' house, like mm-hmm. any entrepreneur, because I did not have space in my apartment. And so I had 20,000 of these dripstick sponges sitting in my parents' house. I hacked together a Shopify website on my own and just started going to events, started talking to people, started showing people and getting feedback. And so what happened, it's very like Bay Area startup story. I launched the website and I posted it in a couple of Facebook groups just to get feedback, right? Do you understand the product? Does this messaging make sense? what do you think would love your feedback? And I went to bed that night. And then when I woke up in the morning, I had like a million notifications on my phone and no idea why or how. And so overnight I had gotten a DM from the, a writer from the Huffington post in the Mm -hmm. UK. And she DM'd me and said, Hey, I saw this in some Facebook group would love to do an article. Like, can you answer a few questions? I was sleeping because of the time difference. And so in the morning, I had another message from her that said, Hey, I wrote the article. Here it is. So we had an article in the Huffington Post UK and it started spreading like wildfire in the UK. So we essentially accidentally launched in the UK, weren't selling to the UK, was only selling in the US, just had a 10 pack, was expecting to sell like, I don't know, maybe 10 units for the month if I was lucky. And that day and over the course of the week, there was like over 30 articles. We were in like Cosmo UK, New York Post, all these places. I had to get my friends to come over to my parents' house, help with this packing party, figure out logistics on the fly, like just go find more boxes. It was it was madness, um, but it was incredible. And it was an incredible yeah. proof of concept, right? Because the best proof that you can get for your idea is if someone is willing to put their credit card down and they're willing to pay for it because then you know you have a market and so for me because our product is a consumable I 
essentially wanted to wait until I saw repeat orders because that is when I would truly know if mm -hmm. I had a strong market. And so after that big accidental UK launch push, <laughs> um, the reviews started coming in and the DMs and just the emails. And it was, I mean, it was much better than I thought, right? I was kind of expecting like a three stars could be better MVP, but yeah. because we were the only solution on the market. We got just incredible messages and DMS from women that are like, I've never talked to anyone about this in my life. And I'm so happy to have found this. Like, this is crazy. Or I've always told my friends this needs to exist and they didn't really hear me. And now I found this. And so, um, that was the point at which I decided that I wanted to raise because speed would be our best chances of survival. Yeah. And, we would need some capital to move quickly. Couple <clears throat> little questions that I want to dig into the the fundraising a little bit more. But um, what Facebook groups were you posting to? And if you can share, how many orders did you take over that that crazy weekend? Um, yeah. So it was just a couple of the founder like women's Facebook group. Facebook groups I was in, I think just, a, just like, Hey, I created this website. Would love your feedback. It was pretty casual. I don't know which one mm. we were found on to be completely honest. Um, just some founder Facebook groups. I wasn't, I was curious if it was like a sex one or a, a women's one or entrepreneurial one. I'm just kind of curious. Cause yeah, I think it was a couple of the founder ones. There's many of like the women's founder groups that I was in on Facebook just to get feedback. Um, and then in terms of how much, I think we moved over like 8,000 drip sticks that week. It was. Wow. Eight out of your 20,000 that you had yeah, ordered basically right. almost half your entire inventory. It was a lot. It was, yeah, it was a lot. That's crazy. Cool. And then I guess, well, quick question, because you said you wanted to raise money, you know, to go fast. Have you seen a competitor pop up already? Like, is, is that part of the motivation of go fast, raise money, get out there, own this market? Yeah, yeah. We have not yet seen a competitor. I, we have a very strong brand personality. It's basically my personality on the internet for better or worse. <laughs> and so um, I think I think it's risky for companies to talk about cum sponges and just as just a general topic, right? Like sex itself is already so taboo as an industry. And we've decided to like go beyond that into this like weird sticky thing that doesn't even happen in like porn or movies. Like you don't see yeah. it anywhere. People right. just aren't talking about it at all. And so I think for that reason, we do have to root it in this personal story. And something that we do is we leverage humor because I personally believe that humor is this interesting like unifier and just can break the ice in a way that being serious can't, especially when you're yeah. talking about this. I mean, humans are weird. They're weird. They're funny. Our bodies do like unusual things. And so that's really the approach that we've taken. Um, and I think it's, we haven't seen anyone yet and uh, hopefully we don't, but who knows? Yeah. 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 yeah I think, I, I think the humor approach is a great approach. Have you seen like, is it tushy or something like that? There's one of these like squatty or squatty potty. There's some of these, uh, you know, other types of things that are using these funny videos to kind of do the marketing that are, you know, uh, so I think it's brilliant. Um, okay, so you've got this good kind of validation and then it's like, all right, time to go raise some money to go fast. So where do you even start to find investors that are willing to look at something like this? Yeah. 
So typically they say, talk to friends and family, but I don't have friends and family that know this world that would be willing to do this. So I was pretty lost. It was, it's, it's a tough thing. I think it's really tough to find tactical advice about something like this. Um, so what I did was our accelerator has uh, memberships to pitch book. And um, if you don't have an accelerator with membership to pitch book, if you know an MBA student, sometimes MBA students have memberships and you can borrow their login information because pitch book is kind of expensive. So I went on pitch book and I looked for companies that were similar to mine or in a similar space. So mm. things kind of in menstruation, women's health, hygiene, and also companies that had very cheeky humor and marketing because our brand personality is, is mm. kind of unusual or very strong. So I looked up those companies and then I looked to see who invested in them at a seed stage. And that yep. was how I built my initial hit list. Um, and so I built that hit list and then what I did was I did LinkedIn premium. The first month is free. So I signed up for LinkedIn premium and I looked up every single like firm or angel that was on my hit list to see if I could find a mutual connection, right? Because you need a warm intro. And so that was how I built my, the column that was like, who can introduce me? Mm -hmm. So I went for those first. I asked for introductions for the people that I could find to those angels or those um, VC funds that will invest at a seed stage. And after I exhausted all those warm intros, I just started cold emailing the rest of the people on the list. And so our, um, the round was taken by someone that I cold emailed and it was from unorthodox ventures in Austin. Mm-hmm. I essentially sent an email to Carrie Smith, the, um, it's a family office. I sent an email to Carrie Smith and I said, Hey, I noticed that uh, your team invested in Tushy. They're pretty weird. We're pretty ah, weird. Yeah. Here's some here's some stats about us attached as a deck. Would love to chat. And they actually called me the next day, which was really unusual. I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was like a solicitor because who who call who like yeah. calls you? And right. so they called me the next day, and we moved relatively quickly just because um, it was. I think it was a pretty good fit. Something I do want to add to this is that after creating my hit list, I went to every single website to read the thesis of that investment. Mm -hmm. So if the thesis was like, we invest in CPG, healthcare hygiene, great. They're probably a good fit. But if for whatever reason they changed their model or moved, they changed their thesis to investing in SaaS or something else, then I knew it wasn't a good fit and I crossed them off my list. Yeah. That's great. That's good. Really interesting. That's great. So, and how many do you think were on your total hit list? Just to kind of look at the shape of the funnel, size of the funnel. Probably a hundred to 150, maybe. So I asked for warm intros to maybe 25 to 30 was the amount that I could find a warm intro Mm. from Mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. Um, you know, some people didn't respond. Some people weren't comfortable introducing and then the rest of them were just kind of like cold emails. Yeah. That's interesting. So unorthodox takes the bait, gets on, gets the call going. Uh, well, did they take the whole round? Did they lead the round? Did you fill out the rest of the round with other investors? What, how did it shape out, shake out? They took the whole round. So I consider myself pretty lucky to not have to slog through more cold emails and pitching yeah yeah great good um and that was one of two seed rounds so what what happened after that (laughs) what's the next one 
they they did the follow on as well. Okay, great. Yeah. So you just decided, hey, we're and how did that? What triggered that? Were you running out of money, or do you just want to like double down on sales and marketing? Like, why do another seed round? I guess is the question. Yeah. We wanted to double down. We saw where we were going and the growth trajectory. So essentially the first one was to like lay that foundation because everything thus far had been done by Team Francis, like website, branding, um, advertising, marketing, everything. And so once we had that solid foundation, we did that second round because we saw the growth month over month and then we're like, okay, we can do this. Got it. Great, great. Interesting. Yeah. Other... I'll have to cross-reference one of our, our customers, Founder Street customers, and sort of in the same category as a company called Mod, mm-hmm. Get Mod, and they're they're doing like sexual products. Um, and she had a great story too, kind of similar of finding the right investors. But like Tushy makes sense. Who invested in them? What what other like comparable companies were you sort of looking at to, you know, to find investor leads? Because it's it's that's a hard part of it. Yep. It was tough. So I was looking for companies in like the hygiene space. So I did look at who invest, who invested in the menstruation companies, who invested in the sexual wellness companies, but we're kind of unusual because we like sit on like on the line of hygiene and sexual wellness. Like the mm-hmm. use case is for after sex, but it's not a pleasure product, right? It's not like fun. It's very utilitarian. Uh-huh. So because it's utilitarian, it's, it, it's actually, it's technically hygiene. It's not necessarily sex. Um, and so I kind of just looked at everyone in those ancillary categories and yeah. then yeah. the, I guess the third category would be the companies that have a strong brand and strong personality like Tushy because our brand is, is weird. And, um, we needed investors that were comfortable with that. Yeah, that's fun. Very good. Well, um, any any other tips or anything we haven't shared that that worked well for you? Or the question I always ask is any advice you would give your younger self if you were starting this process all over again? Yeah. I think looking for investors that are a good fit is the best, will increase your chances of success. Um, so there's a lot of incredible VC funds that target target women or target this or target that. And those are really great to pitch, but I think finding a good fit is, is really important. So in this case, Unorthodox Ventures, they invest in CPG products, where CPG products, they like unusual products. They've invested in Tushy and just other kind of- In their name, yeah. Things. Right. And- <laughs> yeah. They themselves, as a family office, previously when they were biggest fans, they had a strong brand personality. So it was mm. very much about finding a good fit, as opposed to just kind of casting the net wide. Um, and then I think the other thing is that it's it's gonna be really really ugly, but like you have to keep going. So my dad is also a founder. People actually weirdly ask me this all the time. Yeah, and. Um, my dad is founder and he sees this from a very founder perspective, like, cool, found a market, you have a product, go attack the market. Like he doesn't see it as anything else, but very early on, he was the one that was like, yeah, okay. Hey, you can keep talking and planning forever, but why don't you actually like do the thing? Like what is the true next step? So he was the one that actually pushed me to get this, the first 20,000 sponges because had he not done that, I'd probably still be talking about it and right. he wouldn't be here. 
That's interesting because yeah, there's so much of the the startup literature out there is, you know, put up a mock website, like all the validation before sort of jumping in. And and I was kind of like you. I'm like, I don't want to do all that. I just want to, I have a vision. I want to execute this vision and hopefully there's a market there. Like I kind of took the plunge and hopefully fortunately it worked out. But like, yeah, I, I think there's it's contrary to a lot of startup advice to jump in and start executing and doing. It really is. Like I, I wouldn't spend my entire life savings with that MVP for sure. So like set aside a certain amount, but sometimes you have to take the jump. I mean, there's, there's a fair amount of due diligence and research I did try to do beforehand. Oh, another, I guess another piece of tactical advice was I couldn't find a lot of data around um, the number of women that are annoyed at the cum dripping out of their vaginas, right? Like that was, that was couldn't find that. And so something I had read was there is a Reddit thread for anything, like uh, anything uh-huh. you can think of, there is a Reddit thread for it. So I turned to Reddit to find those threads to see what people were saying. And then at a certain point, I DM'd people. And I think as long as you're very, very nice and gracious about it and not trying to sell something, yeah. like everyone was very like kind. And I DM'd a bunch of people and they actually took a survey for me. And so that was one way that I was able to kind of survey my initial, I guess, target consumer base yeah. um, was by looking for those Reddit threads where people were talking about this or complaining about it or looking for a solution and then like DMing them. That's a, that's a really interesting kind of hack or tactic. I like that. Very good. Last question. How are you thinking about future? You know, is this something you need to raise seven ABCD rounds for, or, you know, kind of thinking of keeping it lean and mean or any thoughts on future fundraising, you know, strategy? I like to keep it lean and mean. Uh, We'll see what happens, but the team is growing. We're growing very quickly. We have a very strong community. It's really interesting because the brand has a distinct personality. Our customers have a very distinct personality as well. Um, And something else we did do is we started a private Facebook group and Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been really good. We're able to talk directly to our customers. We hear Mm -hmm. their feedback. We see what they're looking for and where they're interested in seeing us go. And so it's been a really great way to tap into our customer base directly. I'm curious, like some of the ideas, but I won't make you spill your, your product roadmap or anything like that. We'll let that unfold. Um, This is great. If people want to learn more or place an order, it's simply awkwardessentials.com, correct? Yes. Great. Anything you want to promote or plug or just, you know, go check it out and order the 69 pack. Yeah, I just, just come check us out. Feel free to email us or chat us. I mean, sometimes I'm on the chat bot, so happy to talk. And yeah, if any founders want to talk, happy to. It's something I think that I was very grateful for is when I was raising, I knew very few founders who raised and I was introduced to one through a friend and he was so kind and so gracious and was always willing to text me back. And so if I can be that person to anyone out there who's raising, like I would love to, because there was one person who was there that was helping me along the way. And, um, it was, it was amazing. I love it. I love it. I love that pay it forward, pay it back mentality. That's awesome. Francis, this is great. Super fun. Super interesting. Um, uh, awkwardessentials.com and uh, good luck and we'll catch you after uh, the next crotch care product drops. How about that? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. All right. Have a good weekend. Bye. Bye.